This is an AMI podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. From AMI Central. Now circling in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This. Here comes a big chance. The shot is. Is this the tagger? The neutral zone. This is as good as it gets. Now, here's your host, two-time Paralympian, Rock Richardson. What's going on, friends? It's time for another edition of The Neutral Zone. I am indeed your host, Rock Richardson. And I saw a post from one of my friends when I was throughout my Ibachi career, which made me giggle out loud. And I will read it to you verbatim. The, the message said on Facebook, R.I.P. sleep. And I messaged her and I said, huh? Why are you saying R.I.P. sleep? What's going on? She responded with, well, the Olympic Games are on and it's 13 hour difference. So I am just wishing my sleep the best of luck for the next three weeks as uh, we indulge in the Olympic Games. Now, I'm going to ask both my co-hosts if they subscribe to the same theory and we are saying goodbye to our sleep for the next three weeks let's start with claire buchanan claire are we saying goodbye to our sleep for three weeks or not so much that's uh that's going to be a little hard to tackle uh staying on track with my son's sleep schedule as well um but i'm going to try my best i Oh, yeah, I love watching the Olympics and their Paralympic Games, and I, I love when it's on the other side of the world, but that puts us in a little little time bend here on the other side. And uh, But we're always proud and, and happy to, to cheer for our country, so I'm going to catch as much as I can, as always. And the beautiful thing is they do a lot of repeats and reruns during the day when uh, when the most of us in the world were sleeping they can rerun a lot of it which is good as well so and of course you have the some people may have the almighty pvr that they can use uh in lieu of staying up all night and watching everything cam jenkins are you saying goodbye to your sleep or pvr or what are we doing regarding the olympics and paralympics which will be coming up in about a month or so have you seen my face or my mug? Of course I need my beauty sleep. So I will not be staying up to watch the Olympics and Paralympics. I will have my, if I, I don't even know if I have a PVR, but I'll be catching all the highlights uh, the day after, or maybe I'll be able to catch a bit of it at nighttime or early in the morning since I'm an early riser. But yeah, this face, it needs all the beauty sleep, sleep it can get. And, uh, yeah, I'm with you on the beauty sleep. I don't mind staying up uh, late in the evening or getting up a bit early in the morning. But after about 1 a.m., I'm like, I'm tapped out. This is it. I need I need to go to sleep for a while. So that's, uh, that's always good. But it is enjoyable, and all the networks uh, do tap into the Olympic Games coverage, so it's fun to watch. Let's get into our headlines for this week. The two Olympians have been recently announced that who will carry Canada's flag in the opening ceremonies. The opening ceremonies did happen this morning, and we learned more with the Canada press, Canadian press, sorry.
Okay. Women's hockey think. captain Marie-Philippe Poulin and short track speed skating star Charles Amelin will be Canada's flag bearers. Poulin is a three-time medalist, having scored the game-winning goals at both the 2010 and 2014 Olympics and helped Canada to silver in 2018. She says being given the honour of carrying the flag makes her feel the need to pinch herself. She'll be walking alongside the 37-year-old Amelin, who is going into his fifth Olympic Games and is a winner of five Olympic medals, including three gold, tied as Canada's most decorated male winter Olympian. Karen Rebo, the Canadian Press. I don't think there's any other two more deserving athletes right now. These two athletes have not only given us exciting times in Olympics, in the Olympic Games, but have brought home a lot of hardware for our country. And I am so excited to watch, to see what these two athletes can do at the Olympics. After 22 seasons, arguably the greatest of all time to ever play in the NFL, Tom Brady has decided to call it a career. Later in the program, we will discuss what his legacy will be now and moving forward in the NFL. The Washington football team will now go by its new official name of the Washington Commanders. Their slogan will be, One Legacy, One Unified Future. Hashtag take command. Former Miami Dolphins coach Brian Flores sued the NFL and three teams on Tuesday over alleged racist hiring practices for coaches and general managers, saying the league remains ripe with racism, even as it publicly condemns it. The lawsuit filed in Manhattan federal court said the hypocrisy was on display with the chilly treatment Flores received from the Dolphins after he refused to accept a $100,000 a game offer from the club his first season to tank so it, would, so it could secure the top draft pick. The lawsuit sought class action status and unspecified damages from the league. The Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, and the New York Giants, along with unidentified individuals. Let's uh, check in on our Twitter poll questions. Let's go back to last week. Considering the concerns surrounding the pandemic in Beijing, if you are a family member of an athlete going to the games, would you feel comfortable that they went? 80% of you said yes, and 20% of you said no. And that was a Twitter poll question that I preemptively put out there last week in order to have a discussion, which we will have in a little bit on the program. This week's question was, how do you feel about Tom Brady's retirement? I love it. I hate it. The game will not be the same. Those are your three options. And you can go to any one of our Twitter handles, which will be given out in a bit on the program. Coming up next, we're going to continue with a segment called Moral Questions. Today, we're going to focus on drug testing and how that process works, because I have been through it many, many times. Stay with us on The Neutral Zone. We'll be back. And welcome back to The Neutral Zone AMI broadcast booth. And we are set to get this ball game underway. The first pitch brought to you by Brock Richardson's Twitter account at NeutralZoneBR. 
First pitch, strike. And hey, gang, why not strike up a Twitter chat with Claire Buchanan for the neutral zone? Find her at Neutral Zone CB. And there's a swing and a chopper out to second base. Right at Claire, she picks up the ball, throws it over to first base for a routine out. And fans, there is nothing routine about connecting with Cam and Josh from the Neutral Zone. At Neutral Zone, Cam J and at J Watson 200. Now that's a winning combination. And this Oregon interlude is brought to you by AMI-audio on Twitter. Get in touch with the Neutral Zone. Type in at AMI-audio. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone right here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, alongside Cam Jenkins and Claire Buchanan. We uh, debuted this new segment uh, last week, and we called it uh, Moral Questions. And we got some uh, great feedback last week uh, regarding this segment, so we thought we would continue it moving forward. And we're going to uh, mix it in between uh, some interviews that are coming up and two more winter parasports that we have to cover. So between all of that, all of that, we're going to just continue this segment, and we have some great topics ahead. Today we have two that we're going to discuss. Uh, the first one is I want to talk a little bit about drug testing. We spoke a lot about uh, drugs last week and whether, um, you know, uh, we just believe that drugs should be universal at the Olympic Games because we know that they are used uh, at the Games or whether they should still be policed. And so we had that discussion. And if you missed it, go back to last week's podcast. But this week I wanted to discuss being drug tested and there's many ways that this can be done and i i want to preface this by saying i'm speaking from the paralympic perspective only on this regard because i've done it about three or four times in my bocce career and how this works is that you can be anywhere uh sport canada provides you with a cell phone that is fully paid for uh between Sport Canada and Bell Media. And the reason you have this phone is for uh, simply the reason of the drug organization who does the testing can call you at any time. And if they do, you must establish where you are located and how long you're going to be there. And if you're not going to be there as long as it's going to be that they... Uh, require you to be there, then one of two things may happen. Number one, you may be told to go to your next location um, as soon as you're going there and they will follow. Or two, they may tell you to stay at your current location until they get there to do the testing. And an individual from the organization walks in and you have a chaperone, which is always fun, and I'll get into what a chaperone does. And then you also have the person with you that facilitates the process of making sure that the uh, testing gets done fairly and appropriately. So what happens is they set up a table wherever they meet you. And it can be at a training camp, even if you're uh, participating uh, in in your sport and uh, your organization has to divulge to the 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 drug testing organization that this is where you're going to be and if they come they set up their table and they contact each of the athletes that they need to talk to and you have to sit in front of a table 
and you have to declare all of the drugs you are currently taking inside of competition or outside of competition or a combination of both. From there, you must declare all of them at right away. If you do not, and you tell them after the sample has been given, your test can be deemed thrown out or uh, you can get a penalty for that. So you're best to tell them all the drugs that you are currently taking. And from there, if you have a therapeutic use exemption form, you must also declare that with them. When you get to the testing itself, you are followed by a chaperone. Um, and it would be the uh, same sex of the individual who's taking the drug test. So if it's a male, it's a male. If it's a female, it is a female. And um, therefore, they would follow you around until you provide that test. Even when you are in the bathroom, they are quite in your space and making sure that the specimen comes from your body and your body only. Once you provide that test, you then bring it outside. They give you a cup. Then they bring it to that same table, which I discussed, and they pour it into what's almost like a, a, a vinegar bottle. And it has a, uh, a wide base. It's a, a square base. And then the top of it is, um, is like thinner. And then spout is, is uh, also thin then you have to, to uh, tip some of the specimen onto a little stick to determine whether it is diluted or whether it has enough concentration in it to warrant a test. Here's the unfortunate part. If it is too diluted, you must do another test. And therefore, then that means that your chaperone must follow you around wherever you go until you do another sample. I have had to do it two or three times where I have had them follow me around for approximately five hours before I produce another uh, sample. And it is very awkward because they say, quote, oh, just live your life as it is normally. No problem. We'll be fine. We're just going to be like the wallpaper. It's never like that. It doesn't feel that way. It's very uncomfortable. Uh, once you provide the test, then... You sign off on it saying you agree, and no news is good news. They put it in a nice little package. They send it off, and if you hear nothing, therefore, everything is good. I'm curious from both of you, knowing all that, do you have any comments, questions? What do you got, Cameron? Start with you. Sounds very violating uh, in order to go through that process. Um, however... You know, they want to make the games to be safe um, and to have no drugs because they want to be able for you, the athlete, to, uh, you know, compete at the highest level uh, with no help um, from drugs. But, uh, yeah, like to go through that process, I don't know, it just sounds so violating. And, um, you know, mm -hmm. I have a cousin that's one of the people that does the testing and uh, she's talked about it uh, with me before because she knows that I'm, you know, I do the show and, you know, I'm in big into the Paralympics. And so she was telling me a little bit about this from her perspective. And, yeah, like it's just unbelievable uh, that you can be anywhere 
and you have to stay there or go to a certain place right away. And yeah, it just, you know, uh, the big thing about freedom these days, uh, you know, it's a huge topic, at least in Canada, and I'm sure a lot of places in the world. And yeah, it just it <laughs> makes you, it doesn't sound like you're as free as uh, you actually are. What is the alternative though? Like if we don't have this secure of a process, uh, what is the alternative? We have a lot of Paralympic and Olympic athletes who could be using these drugs and, and performance enhancing drugs. And like, what, if we don't have this secure of a process, like where, where do we end up? Yeah. And I, if I can just kind of weigh in on that comment, um, I heard from a lot of athletes who had been in the sport of bocce uh, many years before I got involved, and they would say, this was never like this. We could go into a bathroom, uh, you know, put the specimen in a bottle, walk out, do the same process, and no problem. The issue became and arised when people would either swap samples with coaches or or, or some, someone they know in the bathroom. Uh, and then, or they just, they wouldn't provide the sample correctly, whether it be a fear of, you know, testing on a particular drug or whatever the case is. So this has changed over the last little while where the chaperone does come and, and make his presence, his or her presence known uh, while you are delivering. And, and I have to tell you guys, it is, unbelievably uncomfortable and i'm going to open up and tell you that it is very difficult to go to the bathroom when there is a gentleman squatted down making sure that what is coming out of you is yours and yours only and it has taken me hours to to produce an appropriate test just based on feeling as cameron said almost violated and i get it the process is what the process is and I do want to say, if you produce two tests that are too uh, diluted, then they have to accept the second test. And this has only been in the last five to seven years that they've adopted this because they would find that, that their resources would be, um, you know, uh, misused because you'd be spending 12, 14 hours before someone would uh, produce a uh, non-diluted Specimen, so it is very invasive and very uncomfortable. And I was never one of those people that was called, you know, in the middle of doing something. All of mine were either after winning a medal or at a training camp. But I know very well athletes who have been called in the middle of having New Year's Eve uh, celebrations, and they just call and say, "Hey, where you at? What's going on?" And uh, that's how it begins. So yeah, Cameron. It's it's very invasive, but it is a necessary um, process, Evil. as Claire yeah. pointed well, we're, out. We're like we're in the position of uh, like a few people ruin it for everybody. You know what I mean? Like, and it's it does it's not just happening in sport. Like, it's you see how the process of even going to the airport has changed over the last twenty years. It's it's. It's some people ruining the the freedom that you speak of, Cameron, of being able to have one human trust another. Yeah. 
affect everybody. And now no one trusts anybody. Yeah, I, I went to go visit uh, my sister in New Orleans and um, I went through the scanner and stuff. And I guess it kind of shows your body. And uh, because of the appliance that I wear um, for my disability, um, they didn't really know what that was. So I had to be taken off into a room and I had to, um, yeah, like strip down or whatever, just so they could take a quick look at it to make sure that I wasn't carrying anything in my appliance. And that was very violating as well. And like you said, um, because of uh, the very few have wrecked it for all of us. Um, but I also understand and like my situation that I was in that has nothing to do with sports, but um, you know, it was just very violating. And but I understood that, you know, somebody could try something like that. So I'd rather them kind of check and everyone be safe. But that's the type of person I am as well. But it, it is very violating for the athletes to to go through that or anyone that has to go through something like that. Barack, do you think that it would ever kind of like regress back? Do you think it that we would get to a position where they might change the rule back to not testing people so invasively? I would like to say as a society, I hope that that's going to be the case uh, one day. Uh, but unfortunately, no, I, I don't think so. I, I feel that drugs are being uh, used inappropriately at such high level and albeit a, on, a, on a short sample size, but they're being misused at the Olympics and Paralympic Games. One test that is positive is too many tests that's positive. So you'd have to see a run of like 20 years of of, of no positive tests at, at Olympic Games and World Championships. And sadly, I just don't see a world where that is the case. And it's it really is sad and it, it really is unfortunate. I mean, right down to if somebody uh, needs to use a catheter as a uh, device to assist them in going to the bathroom, they provide all of the equipment so that it is theirs and theirs only so that there is no chance of tampering the catheter in any way, shape, form. And I know to the listener out there that it seems, again, invasive, but in order to make the process as pure as possible, this is unfortunately where we are at today. And it's really, really unfortunate in today's uh, world, for sure. With uh, Claire's point, though, Brock, um, it'd be be interesting to know because of the way science is going, if you're able to do a specimen and if they're able to know that if it's your specimen or not um, through DNA or something, uh, because before they would kind of swap it out for something else or a clean test. So I'm wondering maybe if there's something, uh, you know, that will be through science in the years to come that they'll be able to say that, yes, this test was taken from this person at this particular time and not having anyone to be in there to show you doing the test. And somehow they know that it wasn't swapped out. Yeah, no. And I, and I think to your point, that's a, that's a very valid point in the sense that, you know, maybe there's some technology out there that can, you know, I envision kind of like, um, uh, a green or a red light where you put it on like almost like a scale and somehow that scale is able to determine whether or not that is uh, yours and yours only. And maybe that is the case. I just don't know if we're there yet. And until we get there, I don't see this changing. And certainly it's not going to be on the basis of we're going back to trusting people as Claire points out. It's going to be based on 
science and technology to to make this happen. And that's the only way I see it. Going back to being able to trust people like we could have 10, 15 years ago, I think is is gone. I think it would be based on technology and technology only. So would yeah, you feel a, more comfortable if it was a robot? There's a lot of technology coming out with these Olympics. Another like good this point. Year. Robot. Would you feel more comfortable if it was a robot? If it was a robot, um, yes, I would. Um, I think that that's a fantastic point. I, I'm having gone through the process. I'm literally sitting here in my mind, reeling this out, going a robot. Okay, so they'd have to do this. This, yes, sure, I would. And you know, um, it's it's very uncomfortable uh, when you have an actual human being who's literally making sure that things are done well. So I am all for whatever technology you want to throw at me to say this is, I'm good with this. Yeah, I'm all for it. Um, But yeah, I just think trusting people, we're not in that mode. Would you, would you guys feel comfortable if it was a robot? Uh, for myself, I don't know. I guess it depends maybe on the tone of the robot's voice. Maybe I don't know. But I think, yeah, maybe I would be more comfortable, uh, you know, if it's a robot because it's not an actual person and, you know, it's not as evasive. I agree. I think either way, it's going to be uncomfortable. Uh, I think that taking away that human element to it would make it a little more bearable. Yeah. And I mean, I'm especially looking at it in the in the basis of like not only are they watching to make sure that it's yours and yours only but they're also following you around and and you know saying oh pretend like i'm not here well it's very hard to pretend that there's not another human being standing waiting for you to deliver a specimen of urine it's just not good and there are I I would almost rather it be, you know, that it's 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 a blood test. I'd love to see them be able to, you know, test most drugs uh, through the blood. But there are ways that you can uh, inhibit that from happening as well, which is why that's not the first choice of um, of of you know doing it. But it's something that you could think about. I mean, I would be all for anything other than some individual being so invasive and in my business for up to, like I said, five to six hours of my time when I could be celebrating with my team. I remember there was a situation where I was supposed to be uh, celebrating with my team and the guy uh, was over there, you know, uh, we, we were sitting there and I, and I had trouble saying to myself, can I have a beverage? Because this guy is watching me and, you know, and the guy was very nice and said, yeah, of course you can have a beverage, but you know, is it appropriate? I don't know. I ended up having a beverage and it was fine, but it's still just that uncomfortable human level where you look at it and you go, this is, this is not my speed. So I'm all for technology uh, moving forward. With that, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to bring up the second topic that we had for moral questions. And we will get their thoughts on that as well. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Neutral Zone on AMI-audio.
If you want to leave a message for the Neutral Zone, call now, 1-866-509-4545. And don't forget to give us permission to use your message on the air. Let's get ready to leave a voicemail! Welcome back to the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Barack Richardson, alongside Claire Buchanan and Cam Jenkins. You know, sometimes the uh, luxury of getting to uh, host and produce this program, when I put it together, I think to myself, oh yeah, we'll get to topic A and topic B, no problem. And then when we get doing the show, I forget how passionate all all four of us are, if we include our other esteemed colleague Josh Watson, where sometimes it's challenging to do two topics in one because everyone has such a wonderful opinion and conversation. And I have to say, you guys uh, brought up a wonderful thing about the robot, Claire, and that's not even something I thought about, which uh, spun off into another conversation. So good conversation, as always, here on The Neutral Zone. Uh, This is the other moral question that I would like to get involved with. Uh, Beijing um, Olympic organizers will only offer um, spectator events to, quote, select events because of the pandemic. It comes after Beijing reported their first official case of Omicron just a few weeks ago. Let's take a listen to the clip. Under China's zero-COVID policy, it locks down areas where a single case has been reported, which is what happened over the weekend in Beijing. China is claiming a case of Omicron arrived in the mail and infected somebody. ABC News medical contributor Dr. Alok Patel at Stanford Children's Health doubts that claim and says everybody going for the Olympics should expect no matter what China says that Omicron is everywhere. I hope that every athlete, journalist, members of the team are taking this very seriously and they're expecting to run into Omicron when they go. Alex Stone, ABC News. Now, obviously, that uh, clip is a couple of weeks ago, but I still wanted to discuss it with the Olympics Opening ceremony was early this morning. Am I the only one here that was concerned about them saying, despite what China is saying, expect Omicron and for it to be everywhere? That is the one thing that I'm like, huh? What's China been saying that makes someone say, despite what China is saying, expect it to be everywhere? Uh, Thoughts, Cameron? Uh, I think at the end of the day that um, they've been known to not necessarily uh, tell the whole truth uh, as it comes to information coming out of uh, that country. And yeah, like I think anyone that's going on there or over there, they definitely need to be able to take precautions and uh, wear the masks or the proper masks. Um, so hopefully they don't get infected while uh, they're over uh, competing in the Olympics and the Paralympics. Um, hopefully uh, within the bubble of the Olympics and Paralympics, uh, there aren't any cases um, but you, you've got to be so careful with this, uh, especially with the Paralympics. And I'm not saying all the Paralympians, um, you know, um, you know, might get it um, or that, uh, you know, they are immune compromised because not all of them are, but some of them might be. So you've got to be really careful. 
Yeah, these, no matter the Olympics or the Paralympics, I think it it sucks because you want to go in as an athlete, especially if it's your first games, you want to fully take in the the, the complete experience and uh, going into these, not this, not just these games, but the most recent ones as well. These athletes have to really really dial in and, and focus just on their sport and, and, and staying healthy and, and staying safe. And I think that hopefully those athletes are, uh, are going in with that mentality. And like, like I said, unfortunately, it's, it's probably not a good idea to mingle and, and, and do the normal things that you would do at a Paralympic or Olympic games. But at the end of the day, they're, they're there to win a medal. Right. So I think the best thing that they can do is, is keep that focus, but it's, it sucks because you're also at a place in the world that there's a lot of misguided information. You don't know who's saying what and, and, and what really is the truth. And so it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's gotta be more of a mental game going to a, a type of games like this. Yeah, I agree. Uh, 100%. Uh, With all of that being said, should the Olympics and Paralympic Games be having fans at all, given the concerns over the pandemic? And I have to say, there's already been at least four uh, Canadian athletes uh, that have confirmed to have uh, COVID, and uh, it, it doesn't specify who or what, but we know that number is at least four. So... Let's ask the question, should there be fans at all, even if they are at quote-unquote select events? Every event that I've watched, there are some fans. Claire, thoughts on that, please? Uh, I'm going to have to go with no. I I mean, I would want to say yes and and keep it to low capacity numbers so that uh, at least family or or other teammates can can come watch. But uh, it's then you would have to get into the situation of, really selecting who can and who cannot and it's it you end up in a game of playing favorites and i think that that's the best way to stay away from that situation is uh i it sucks because those athletes want to hear the crowd and that's what gives you that extra little push but i think i have always gone by not what the politicians are saying but what the doctors are saying during this whole process. And if the doctors are saying that, listen, this is really serious and uh, there's a high chance you can get it, then yeah, I would agree that there shouldn't be any spectators. And, and that's why we, that's why we get uh, the double vaccine and the boosters because yes, there is a still high chance that any one of us can get the virus. It's, it's a matter of, it's not going to kill us now. It's just going to make us sick and we're going to be able to get through it. So the fact that we're vaccinated and stuff like that is great. It's, it sucks, but we can't trust having big crowds right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm back and forth or I'm up and down like a yo-yo when it comes to this. Um, You see in Canada where, you know, um, for, Taking the hockey games as an example, there's uh, nobody in the rinks or very few people in the rinks. Uh, but then you see in the States, the stadiums are full. Um, and 
you have taken four years to be able to um, be able to compete at the Olympics or the Paralympics. And I just think that it would be such a shame if they allowed full capacity into the stadiums and if, you know, few people in the stadium ended up having, um, you know, uh, COVID-19 and then because of that, an athlete got it and then their dream was uh, dashed, um, kind of there it goes because they ended up getting COVID and I would hate to see that. So I think that we're we're getting closer, but we're not at a point yet where we can have stadiums that are full of people um, because uh, COVID-19, it still is very dangerous. A lot of people can die from it. And yeah, I just don't think we're at a point yet that we can have full stadiums, um, you know, when it comes to the Olympics and Paralympics, because they've worked so hard and it would be such a shame if somebody got COVID and was really sick with it and their hopes and dreams were dashed. I can't agree with you anymore. In fact, you took the words right out of my mouth. I, we know now that if you get the vaccine and you're boosted and all this, we know, as Claire said, that it's not going to kill you or very unlikely is going to kill you. But it certainly could dash someone's dreams, whether it's a Olympian, Paralympian, professional athlete. Because I think sometimes we forget in society, these people, these athletes, these men and women that play this is their livelihood, their dreams, their hopes, everything in between. And so if someone is to get sick and you've got to isolate for five days, that is really, really unfortunate. And I just agree. I think that this should be a secure bubble. And I am disappointed that it is not. Uh, speaking of um, being disappointed of a, a secure a bubble, I had a conversation with my fiance uh, about a week ago. And I was watching a sports uh, program and there was conversation happening about if you were an athlete um, and your family member was going, how would you feel? So I turned to my fiance and I said, so if I was still participating in bocce, would you feel comfortable letting me go to the games? And her direct response, and I quote, was only if. They could guarantee your safety. Otherwise, I would be a nervous wreck the entire time. I would be supporting you that you're at the games, but I would be a nervous wreck the entire time. So my question to both of you is, can anyone guarantee safety to these athletes? Or do you think this conversation is happening uh, more and more throughout Paralympians' uh, household now that would have to make this decision being about two weeks out of the event. Cameron, start with you. No, absolutely not. You cannot guarantee that you're not going to get uh, sick with COVID-19 or Omicron or um, anything else because uh, in order to have a true bubble, you would need all of the staff, um, you know, for the housekeeping, for the restaurants to be in that bubble as well. Um, if somebody, uh, you know, that's working inside and goes home, they could get it. So there's absolutely no way that you could guarantee that you wouldn't be, you wouldn't get sick. And yeah, I, I don't think, you know, it's, it's unreasonable to think that you, um, you wouldn't be able to get sick. 
I I don't I think it's unreasonable to think that guaranteed safety even outside of a pandemic is something that you can promise. Uh we, anywhere we go, uh even outside of a pandemic, there's there's always that risk of like you don't know what you're going to run into or what other people are going through or have in their lives. And I, I like ah, using the word guaranteed is a little tough for me. Yeah, it was, it was, it was tough for me as well. And I, and I do understand where uh, my fiance soon to be wife is coming from. And, you know, I get it, but to use the word guarantee is a bit of a strong, uh, word and i mean i can't guarantee that i wouldn't uh walk out the next time i go outside and you know be hit by a car a bus whatever you're just you're limited to society and you just never know and so that's kind of where i'm at cameron i think you were going to add in another thought here oh no yeah just a quick thought of like the only things that are guaranteed in life are what people say uh, death and taxes and the sun will rise and the sun will fall and everything else i don't think is guaranteed in life that is definitely a good point so that was a two-parter of uh moral questions and we will continue the conversation of moral questions i've got a couple more in my back pocket Welcome back to the Neutral Zone right here on AM Audio. I'm alongside Claire Buchanan and Cam Jenkins. We were just uh, reminiscing on the break about who's become a soccer fan in this proverbial roundtable. And I think all three of us have. And so shout out uh, Team Canada for getting nine available points to them in this window and remaining atop the table and that guitar uh, World Cup is looking really good, and they need uh, one more point to guarantee a playoff spot and two to guarantee World Cup. And the reason I say playoff spot is because if they were happened to drop down to uh, fourth, then they would have to play another winner in a series in another region. But we will not talk about that because we are literally only two more points away from a guaranteed Qatar uh, spot. So we've got three more games, which I believe are sometime in March one of which will be in Canada, and that is yet to be announced. Uh, Something that has been announced is Tom Brady finally announces his retirement. Uh, Adam Schefter is taking a big, deep breath after that because he uh, reported uh, early on that Tom Brady was retired. And then Tom Brady said, hold on, hold on, I have not made my retirement announcement and so within the 24 hours of that first uh, initial report uh, he did make it official and uh, he is retired and I just want to run down a few stats here that we know of uh, Tom Brady we know that he is a seven-time champion we know that he is a five-time Super Bowl MVP and I said this on Kelly and Company earlier this week I'd love to know who the MVP was in the other and uh, two Super Bowls that that involved Brady, but he did not win uh, the Super Bowl. So, uh, or that person did not win the Super Bowl. Rather, Tom Brady did. So there was twice where Tom Brady won it, and someone else was the MVP. Uh, Fifteen-time All Star. So, 
Let's talk about what do you guys believe will be Tom Brady's legacy? Claire, start with you. He's the epitome of hard work. I think he's one of those guys that literally he just put his head down. He was, yes, he was loud and and a big voice inside the game, but training and outside and, and off the field, he, he put his head down and he was quiet and he had goals and he, he did what he had to do. And uh, he didn't put a lot of attention on himself and he let his game speak for himself for itself. Yeah, I think uh, he's the ultimate team player. Uh, many times with the, um, the New England Patriots, uh, he took less money. Uh, so the money could go elsewhere so they could uh, build a better team. And I, in this day and age, there's not a lot of people that do that. And Tom Brady did. And uh, because of it, I feel like he was rewarded uh, with the uh, seven Super Bowls that he won. Um, So I I think one of the things is just being a team player and taking less money um, to become the seven-time champion, um, as well as being one of the greatest QBs in the game. Like, how many times did he go down in the field in the fourth quarter in overtime and win it? Like, he almost did it in these playoffs too, but just kind of ran out of steam at the end, and it was almost another uh, storybook ending for him. So, uh, you know, he is known as the GOAT and always will be, um, but I think his legacy, um, like I mentioned, is uh, him taking less money to be able to build a better team around him. And that's why they won all of those Super Bowls. I think the one thing, and I, and I hate to use the first word that popped in my mind. I think the one blemish that could be on his um, resume in retirement was that uh, Peyton Manning retired um, after winning a Super Bowl and Tom Brady did not. Now, I say blemish because the numbers, the Super Bowl, the MVP, all of that speaks for itself. But that could be the one thing where, like, Tom Brady didn't get to, like, ride on a a, a stallion into the sunset. You know, I won my eighth Super Bowl. The the story sort of feels not fully shut. Like, he's missing that last Super Bowl in his last season. Now, I'm not trivializing how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. So the fact that he did this seven times and not eight, I, th- I think we're just really splitting hairs and all of that. But I think if you look at Peyton Manning, the, the end was almost picturesque in the sense of winning a Super Bowl and then deciding I- I'm done. This is where I end. That's where I thought he was going to be last year. I thought Tom Brady probably could have retired last year after winning a Super Bowl, but he wanted to give it one more run. And as Cameron pointed out, he almost was able to pull it out, just kind of ran out of steam. The other thing that I want to point out in all of this is that we know from his long, lengthy uh, retirement announcement, I call it a retirement announcement, however, there's a couple of things that stand out. First of all, the word retirement was never used in the statement. He referred to more stepping away from the game at this time as he cannot give his all to the game at this moment in time. Secondarily, he did not thank Robert Kraft or Bill Belichick or Patriots ownership at all in that statement. However, he did retweet his statement and put thank you Patriots Nation with the hashtag. 
Are you guys thinking that there is something here or am I making a mountain out of a mohill, Claire? I want to start off by saying, yes, we all love the uh, movie ending career of winning, uh, leaving the game with a championship, but his record speaks for, for speaks for itself. I, I don't think that not winning the Super Bowl this this season is that big of a blemish. I I think that he had an incredible career. And yes, to touch on the fact that he didn't use the word retirement and that he's stepping away from the game. For one, I don't think he's going to come back as a player. Let's be real here. I think uh, I think him as a player is done, but I think he would be a huge aspect and a huge fit in the head office, either of the league or, or of a certain team. So I think he was using the words of he doesn't have, he can't give the game all of himself right now because he's going to come back and give the game all of himself just in a different format um, and help the game become what it should be. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw the video of him and his daughters came onto the video and stuff. And as a mom, I, I saw that look in his eye of like, he's happy to be spending all of his time with his kids now. And I think, I think he's just going to do it from an office now. Yeah, I think that with Brady retiring, um, that also caught my eye, Brock, about uh, his initial post, um, not saying anything about New England. Um, and since he was there for so many years, I found that to uh, you know raise my eyebrow uh, when it came to that. So it'd be interesting why he didn't think to um, do that. And I also agree with Claire. I think that he would probably take some time off with his family and then he'll end up getting back into football and uh, the management or coaching side. And, you know, a lot of uh, great players, uh, once they go over to the coaching side or the management side, um, you know, a lot of the greats, they just aren't that good at that side. So it would be very interesting uh, to see his career path moving forward. I think all of this, him not thanking Patriots ownership, speaks to what we all suspected but never really saw about the breakup that was uh, the Patriots and Tom Brady. I do think it is incredibly disrespectful to not thank Patriots ownership because they took a flyer on this guy. He was taken not even in the first round of drafting they took a flyer on him and they said you're going to be a backup quarterback he proved himself on the field I do believe he should have thanked the Patriots ownership because without them his career is nothing because other teams passed over him the Patriots did not and so that's where I think and no I do not think the storybook ending is a big blemish but it is something that caught my eye that is the end of our show for this week I'd like to thank Claire Buchanan, Cam Jenkins. I'd also like to thank our technical producer, Sam Robinson. Our regular technical producer is Matt Agnew. And our technical supervisor is Paula Deneen. And our manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you just never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Have a great weekend and we'll talk to you next week. Be safe.